Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report. Hope you're having a great week, and hopefully this is going to be something to help you look forward to this weekend. Uh, this week's episode of the Strut Report, we're going to be covering Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Virginia. 
couple of these states are just now opened up. Arkansas actually will be opening up on the 19th of um, April. Virginia just opened up this past weekend and uh, just kind of rock and roll and get a lot of good reports and also some really good tips, especially at the end of this episode, really diving into roosting turkeys. And this also just really walking in, in when turkeys aren't gobbling, understanding how to slip hunt and use your ears uh, more so than just your calling to try to find and locate turkeys, especially when they're not gobbling. So I really want you to stick around for that last interview uh, with Mr. Devin Duncan, our buddy from Virginia. Got some really hot tips for you uh, in that outro part. But uh, appreciate all the support, everybody. Appreciate everybody that's already uh, submitted your survey uh, for our survey that we're working on right now. You can go over and check out the link on uh, the Facebook or Instagram page uh, and take up take the survey. It takes about four minutes. Really appreciate all the feedback. Had a lot of you guys already do that. It's been fantastic. Also, listen to the show right now. If you are going out and having success using tips, tactics, or techniques you've heard on the podcast from any of the guests, let us know. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or an email. Let us know what's been working for you, what episodes have been impactful for you, and maybe we choose you for a future episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story. Now, that will be coming out Friday afternoon, so you can listen to it after work on Friday or while you're heading to the gate Saturday morning. Appreciate everybody's already been submitted. Uh, had about 23 or 24 of them so far submitted so far this season, which is really awesome. It's great to kind of see some of you all uh, kill your first turkeys or kill your you know 40th turkey uh, using different tips and tactics from the show. So that's been fantastic. Uh, also, I uh, just want to make sure you guys are uh, checking out everything that we're doing right now, making sure you all sign up also for our newsletter that we drop every month. Uh, we're trying to take it to bi-weekly, but right now it's a monthly newsletter. You can go over to our website, thesoutherndoorsmen.com, sign up for the newsletter, and again, you'll be able to receive that at the end of the month uh, as well. And other than that, I'm trying to think of any other housekeeping we really need to do. Probably one of the last things to ask you, like we do all the time, uh, if you don't mind, if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, hit pause, go down to the bottom of the screen, and leave us a five-star review, leave us a written review, and then we'll actually read all the new written reviews every single week on the Monday episode. So you got a little more time this week to submit your review uh, for that to be read on Monday's episode. Thanks again, everybody, for the, uh, for the support, and uh, best of luck to you all this weekend. But I'll shut up, and we'll dive right on to this week's strut report. All right, guys, and first on the line, we have Adam Jones coming in from North Central, Louisiana. Third time to charm, man, having you back on the show. Glad to have you on. I know you tagged out the first, what, week of the season, but now we are trying to transition to your daughter and kind of getting her on some birds, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today and how things have maybe changed since opening week in Louisiana. But, Adam, to kind of kick us off, what's the gobbling activity been like for you guys over the last week or so? It's still pretty good uh, down here. The birds are still gobbling pretty good on the limbs. Uh, and then throughout the day, so, uh, they're definitely, definitely more hand up than what they was in the past week. But uh, gobbling's still pretty good up here. Fantastic. And you're talking about they're a little bit more hand up now. Uh, kind of what have you all been experiencing with uh, these gobblers right now, kind of getting some more hens this time of season? So what I've been seeing in the woods, uh, also what I'm saying, I'm still running some kind of tunnels on some of the bigger food plots I got, but. Uh, first thing in the morning, birds, are, the gobblers are with hens. And then it seemed like around midday, uh, early evening, the hens bust off. I'm assuming going to nest, so they're by themselves. And then later that evening, the, the gobblers are done caught by cut with them. So uh, in this area here, if you can if you can get out in a, on a midday hunt or early evening hunt, uh, your chances of success should definitely be be pretty good right now. 
Now, talking about uh, from the last couple times we've had you on, you've talked a little bit about the habitat that you're hunting in, which is a mix from anything from kind of planted pines to, you know, big hardwood, uh, you know, kind of expanses. But where are you kind of finding a lot of these gobblers at this time of the season? I mean, has anything changed? Or are they pretty much where they've been the last few weeks? Pretty much where they've been the past few weeks. Uh, uh, they, they've seen our birds, you know, where they were at, you know, mid-March, early March. Uh, they tend to have certain areas they'll congregate to throughout the spring and really kind of set up shop. That's their, that's, that's their area. Uh, so they're... Where they're at now, where they've been the past couple of weeks, and, and pretty much where I look for them to be for the rest of the season. Uh, one thing I have noticed in the past week or so is their roost locations are starting to change, and I don't know if that's because the hens are are starting to roost closer to their nesting areas, or the gobblers are getting out, moving more, looking for uh, receptive hens. But uh, past uh, past few mornings I've been out, there's been birds that are anywhere from, you know, a quarter to a half a mile off where they normally roost at. So they are getting out and, and breaking up and moving some. But uh, for the most part, they're in a pretty much the same kind of habitat that they have been for the past, you know, two, three weeks now. Now, when we had you on last, you talked about with your daughter up to bat since you had tagged out, you know, you were going to try to get on a, on a, a, you know, a bird where you can kind of run and gun on them. Uh, but if you had to, you would get patient and try to wait one out. What kind of experience did y'all have? I know she just killed a, a, a turkey. Not, I guess it was uh, this. Was it this past weekend she killed one? Yes, sir. Sunday, oh. Sunday morning. So had success. Then you know how did the hunt play out? What was what were y'all experiencing while out in the woods? And kind of what was the play by play on on getting that gobbler killed? So Friday morning, uh, I was able to go listen before work, and I went into an area that I, I hunted in. Um, yeah, uh, I had a good feeling that there were going to be birds there, and, and sure enough, they was actually actually two birds roosted in fairly close, but in completely different habitats. Because where we were hunting was kind of a kind of unique setup for us habitat wise. But so Friday evening, we had a, a major storm cell come through. I mean, it was it got sure enough. We were actually hunting in a in a tornado warning that evening, but we stayed with it as long as we could. To, Got on a bird, uh, got in within 300 yards of him. Every time it was thunder, turkey would gobble. I could hear hens with him. He would answer me, but just where he was at, there wasn't, you know, I didn't, there wasn't no pulling him to us that evening. So the weather finally got bad enough. We just, we pulled a pin, backed out. Uh, Saturday morning, two of my girls play softball, so I had to have him up there at the complex at 730 at morning for, for pictures. So, uh, Saturday was, was out of the question as far as hunting. We could have squeezed in a hunt that evening, but I wanted to go in there fresh, you know, on a morning hunt and see what happened. So Sunday morning we got in there, and the bird we initially set up on Friday evening, he didn't say anything, but the second bird that was in there did, and watched him pitch down into a, into a cow pasture, uh, had a jake with him and two hens, and just... Where he was at, there really nothing, wasn't nothing we could do with him. But Friday morning when I was in there listening, I found just a just a ton of turkey scratching up on a little knob against the against the creek that you could sit on and still still see the pasture. So about seven thirty, we decided to just go back and sit on that knob and 
you know, keep an eye on the birds, see what they did. And throughout the morning, they kind of worked down to us where that knob was. And the sun had got up, and uh, there was a low spot in that pasture that had some privet growing up in it. And the birds just pulled down to that to that shaded area. And at this point, I hadn't called at all. I was very reluctant on calling because I've been burned so many times in the past where I caught a bird that I know has hens with him. You know, the hen, I just turned and walked a dead opposite direction of us. So, um, rocked on about nine or so. I told Taylor, I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call to this bird and just see what happens. So I got a glass call out and I videoed the whole hunt. So I'd have my camera zoomed in on the bird where she could see him too. And, I mean, as soon as as soon as he got to where he could hear that call, he just went. I mean, he went nuts, and she just lit up, grinning ear to ear. Just it made her day because she's ten years old. Uh, the past bird she's killed has been pretty much as soon as she saw the turkey, it was pulling the trigger. Just the the thickness of the area we was in. So this is the first time she's ever really got to sit back watch a bird strut, watch a bird gobble and do his thing. So, And at that point, you know, it, I didn't care if we killed a turkey or not. She was she was loving it. I just wanted her to experience that. So I I called way more aggressively to that turkey than I normally would just to keep him fired up and going where she could watch all that. And, and, I mean, he just, he was tearing it up. And then that rocked on for about 15 minutes. And she got to ask me questions. The turkey was far enough away to where she could kind of talk to me, and we didn't have to worry about getting getting seen or heard. So about 15 minutes of calling, she went to asking questions. So I quit I quit calling and just got to just me and her just got to talking, just enjoying each other's company in the woods. And I just happened to look up, and there was a section of water between us and the birds in that pasture, and I could just caught glimpse of them flying over the water and they landed on the same side of the hill we were on about 100 150 yards away something like it and when they landed you know first thing they did was they stuck that neck just far up there as they could looking for that hen and looking for where a hen was and i guess they just went into panic mode when they didn't see her because they broke and come in on a just an absolute dead run and it got it got pretty western pretty quick with me and her trying to get everything set up. So I know I'm trying to, and I don't know if anybody that listens to this ever sell films turkey hunts, but it is super, super hard, and it makes it even harder when you got a kid with you. So I'm trying to get the camera set up, get her situated, kind of talk her through everything to make this happen, because when they were running, they were running side by side, and I didn't want her to you know, get excited and pull the trigger and wind up, wind up killing both the birds. So they come in on a run to about 20 yards or so and then slow down and finally got enough space. She wound up killing the bird at about 10 yards. I mean, she cut him up. Made a perfect <laughs> shot. Just cut him a backflip. So uh, that was definitely a uh, proud dad moment that, that I'll – you know, I'll cherish from now on and was able to get it all on video. So that just makes it, you know, that much better. So, uh, very, very good morning in the woods. That's awesome. Now, how old is she again? 
she turned 10 years old April the 6th. And uh, like I said, she killed her first turkey when she was five years old. Uh, and we, you know, so I call it running gun. We hunt, uh, you know, we sit outside a tree just like most people do. You know, we, I'm not a big ground blind person. I'm not against it. I just, I just, just not my style of hunting. So this hunt here, we had a big bull pine that had blowed over. So we were behind it. So she was just able to just lay her shotgun up on that pine and, and be ready. But in the past, I've, I've set her down between my legs. That way I kind of help, help her turn or tell her when to turn or whatnot when, when need be. But, but she's, uh, she's turning out to be quite the little turkey hunter. Excellent. Well, Adam, listen, thank you for coming on this week's Strut Report, sharing some experience and kind of what's been working for you guys, especially coming this week. Uh, wish you and your daughter the best of luck. Hopefully get her – I guess she's got one more tag. Is that right? Yes, one more tag. We're going to give it a go this weekend, and then I'm leaving. Uh, I leave out next Thursday to start, uh, start traveling and hunting. So I got got a couple states lined up for the – end of the next week and beginning of the following week we're going to try to try to put some birds on the ground so we're going to give it we're going to give it a best shot this weekend all right sounds good sounds like we're going to have you back on for another strut report when you kind of get to one of these other states so that'd be fantastic but adam thanks again for coming on for this week's episode and best luck to you and your daughter for the rest of your season thank you sir i appreciate it all right guys next online we've got chris ferguson back on the show uh, from western uh, or i guess west central north carolina it sounds this from the reports I'm getting so far from you, Chris, and a lot of my other buddies in North Carolina. It sounds like the season's been absolutely just awesome so far, just gobbling activity and everything else. But I want you to kind of kick it off for us, and we're going to talk about what's been working for you guys. What's the gobbling activity been like since opening day up there in North Carolina? Oh, it's been absolutely on fire. Opening morning, we heard, I don't know, at minimum 50, 60 gobbles, fired up birds from. From daylight all the way to four o'clock, we had birds gobbling. Uh, it, it didn't slack up any. Same thing Sunday morning. I actually sent you a vin- video Sunday morning of birds gobbling. I bet we heard three, four hundred gobbles Sunday morning. Um, and I hunted Monday and Tuesday morning. Birds gobbled. I mean, they've gobbled their heads off since since opening day and before. I mean, it, it hasn't slacked up any. And that is exciting. Now listen. We need to uh, get those turkeys to translate some of that gobbling down here to us Alabama birds, which want to be hit or miss right now. They uh, they need some encouragement, some words of encouragement down here. But, dude, let's dive a little bit more into this because I'm really eager to kind of hear, you know, a little bit more about how the season progressed for you guys. First off, uh, kind of since you just kind of touched on the gobbling activity, right now are you experiencing – fairly hinned up gobblers or are you finding some younger birds or just some lone gobblers kind of out by themselves this time of the season i i've personally seen one gobbler with a hen (laughs) since opening day and i've hunted four days and i've seen one hen with a gobbler and i've seen probably 20 longbeards and one of them's had a hen all right i'm extremely jealous of you my man all right listen listen (laughs) listen north carolina i'm liking what i'm hearing so far you know what i I told you i'll be up there and you know Late April, I might have to take off some vacation days and, and buy some tag or buy my license tags up there. Um, yeah, it, it, it's been really good. Like I said, now, I did see even a uh, Sunday we shot a bird right at daylight Sunday, maybe an hour after daylight, and uh, I called another long beard up, and he had five jakes with him. 
they were just out there hanging out, not a single hen around, gobbling their heads off, all of them, but not a single hen around. Oh, wow. Well, explain again to the listeners, you know, what's the kind of habitat type that you're kind of hunting in in your neck of the woods of North Carolina? And right now, is there anything specific that these gobblers really like to stick to this time of the season when it comes to habitat or like terrain features or habitat types? Every bird we've got on has been on a creek bottom, in the hardwoods on creek bottom, no matter. We've hunted field edges of, you know, a lot of our uh, public land will have fields right off the edges of it. We've hunted those. Anywhere there's been hardwoods amongst like pine thickets or cutovers, which normally results in a creek bottom, is where the birds have been relating to. Uh, Saturday, we hunted public land on a river system, and every one of them was just on a little finger finger of hardwood that went up in some old cutovers. A lot of the cutovers where we were hunting at are 5 to 15 years old, and they're pretty thick, so the turkeys, it's not exactly the best turkey habitat up in those, but they're just relating to those hardwood creek bottoms around them, and they're kind of funneling down into the creek bottoms where it opens up more, or they're funneling out to the fields, which is normally uh, private land. But uh, the turkeys seem to be really on the creek bottoms right now to us. Uh, I, I've seen a few turkeys in the pines, but it, it, they around here they normally don't really transition into the mature, more open pines until a little later in the season, I feel like. Can you talk a little bit about what's been working for you guys? I mean, first off, maybe relate with the listeners. Have y'all been successful, like you, your son, or anyone else, uh, you know, so far this season? Uh, if so, what's been working for you guys? Or if not, kind of what's not been working that maybe we can kind of touch on and break down? Oh, yeah. we've. Uh, I punched a tag Saturday morning early, uh, called in three more birds that day, all within gun range, just couldn't make it happen for uh, I, my best friend that was hunting with me. Uh, Sunday morning, we set up on some private, because Sunday we're not allowed to hunt public up here. Uh, called a bird in, like 8.15, something like that. Killed him, he did. Uh, I called another bird in later in the day, we missed. Uh, my son shot one Monday morning. Uh, it was right off the limb. I mean, he was dead by 7 o'clock. Um, and then Tuesday morning, me and him hunted again. Called in another bird. He kind of gave us a skirt around, probably about 60 yards, but he gobbled. He he did everything right. He just really didn't come into the setup the way we expected him to. But, I mean, birds, it ain't been a problem really getting on birds. I feel like normally I'm a little more subtle than I have been this year. I feel like the more aggressive calling has worked. Uh, I was talking to another hunter the other day, and I was like, man, I was like, normally I'm one to kind of sit back and be quiet, but. This year, I feel like when they gobble, I'll start cutting back and cut them off, and it, it's worked. <laughs> I'm not going to complain with what's working. Uh, I just kind of, I think with them being so lonely and really gobbling so good that they're kind of aggressive right now, and they're really looking for a hen, they're really searching, that the more aggressive callings work for us. Oh, that's exciting. And I was going to say, you know, do you have any kind of tips or anybody right now, especially if they are hunting North Carolina or dealing with similar situations you know, any kind of tips or anything to go out there and have success, you know, given the similar situations? Man, when the bird starts gobbling, I mean, at least, like I said, right now, these birds, they're, they're, they're hammering it. I mean, we, we've been getting aggressive. Don't be, don't be scared to get a little more aggressive than normal, at least for me, anyhow. I mean, I'm normally, I'll normally lay back and let a bird and kind of hide the hen, go to say, and be quiet. But, uh, this year, I, I've been a lot more aggressive with my calling, a lot more aggressive with pushing in on them, and it's worked. I don't know if it's just the weather or what, but this year I've seen 
way more long gobblers and way more goblin activity than normal. So I feel like if you if you can get a bird goblin and you know you feel like you're in a place where you can make a move or make a play on him, get aggressive with him and go for it. Well, Chris, thank you again for coming on for this week's strut report, and best of luck to you and your family uh, for the rest of your season. All right, thank you. Every outdoorsman understands the importance of a great knife, and we all appreciate U.S. craftsmanship. Bladeswork Unlimited has created a community of bladesmiths to provide you a custom knife that will last generations. Whether you're looking for the perfect knife to use in the field or a new addition to your kitchen cutlery, Bladeswork Unlimited has you covered. Check out their online inventory of custom knives or work directly with one of their 25-plus custom bladesmiths to build your dream knife with the Build a Blade program. Start by choosing your blade style, steel type, and handle material, along with everything in between, all the way down to the sheath. Speak directly with the bladesmith building your knife to fine-tune your exact wishes. Jacob and I both own custom knives and have experienced the benefits of custom work with attention to detail, and Bladeswork Unlimited provides that to their customers. Use the code SOUTHERNOUTDOORS, all one word, at checkout to receive a discount on your custom order. Visit bladeswork.com or go to the link in the description and get a knife tougher than you. All right, guys, next on the line, we got our buddy Joey Bell coming on from Tennessee. Uh, Joey, I know you've already killed two birds so far this season, which is exciting. We're talking a little bit about those hunts in just a little bit. But before we do, what has the gobbling activity been like for you since opening day in Tennessee, but also really what it's been like over the last week or so? Uh, Jacob, it's been real good. It's progressed really good over the last week or so for me. Uh, opening day, I hunted some public, and there was, I guess, minimal gobbling activity then. It was real cold uh below freezing where i was and i heard a couple gobbles from you know a couple different birds on the roost and then nothing and i think i heard like one more gobble middle of the morning like way well way late in the morning like 10 11 o'clock um and that was it for opening day for me as far as gobbling activity and then the next weekend was a lot lot better i hunted uh this past friday whatever the date that was a lot of gobbling on the roost a little bit more gobbling when they got on the ground I think they were still a little bunched up where I was at, um, but goblin activity was good. Saturday morning, goblin was real good on the roost, and uh, I didn't I didn't hear any more goblin after that, and we'll get into why I didn't hear any more goblin after that a little later. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, and then Sunday, I hunted public all day. Um, it was really good goblin on the roost. I mean, they were hammering on the roost. Um, then they got on the ground, gobbled some more, um, kind of bunched up where I was at, but, you know, goblin kind of stopped maybe middle of the morning. And then Monday morning, goblin real good on the roost, uh, but I didn't hear any more gobbles after that for another reason too. So from what you've been experiencing so far, it sounds like, you know, the goblin has gotten a little bit better, but you also mentioned about them possibly being bunched up and kind of being still hinned up a little bit, flocked up right now. What have you been experiencing? What all other reports have you heard of right now? Are a lot of these gobblers with hens this part of the season, or are you still finding or, or happen to find lone gobblers right now during this point of the season in Tennessee? So the this past Friday, I noticed there was a couple long beards, a couple jakes, and, and a handful of hens in one group. So they were kind of bunched up. They hadn't really, you know, exploded yet. Um, Saturday morning, the group I was in, I was – set up on a couple of lone gobblers and actually got set up between them and their hens. Um, and uh, I don't really know what happened, there, what else, whatever happened else that day. Sunday, there was a bunch of turkeys kind of all 
bunched together. There was a bunch of gobblers throughout, uh, kind of spaced out on this one ridge. And there was a group of hens and a couple jakes and a couple longbeards bunched up. And they all kind of congregated together in the field. And so I guess they were, and they started, they started fighting too. So I guess they were working things out uh, right then. And uh, kind of the same thing with uh, Monday morning. A uh, couple lone gobblers, a couple groups of hens. So it was it was just different everywhere. So um, the one place where they were all bunched up was kind of northern Middle Tennessee, and then where there were a group or group of gobblers or a couple gobblers by themselves uh, was in kind of western Middle Tennessee. Okay, perfect. And let me ask, based off you know the different regions of the state that you hunt in what kind of habitat is it like again kind of terrain features and stuff that you're hunting in and also is there anything specific that these turkeys really like to stick to in the early part of the season in your neck of the woods in tennessee um the one area was you know kind of rolling hills uh, ridges and hollers creek bottoms and on opening weekend they seem to congregate they seem they seem to pitch down in the creek bottoms with the hens so i think there were some birds killed in creek bottoms where i was at uh, opening opening day and then um, the next weekend I was on my place in Hickman County for a couple of those mornings and it's a mix of you know pastures hardwoods ridges hollers I think there's a patch or two of pine so it's pretty diverse habitat there um, and then a piece of public where I was at Sunday it was a mix of pastures too green fields ridges um, I think they like that I think the gobblers have started strutting in some of those big open areas now. And it was some hill country Sunday where we were at. So they were just everywhere. Now, can you talk a little bit about what's helped y'all been successful so far this season? What's been working for you? And also, is there anything that hasn't been working for you this season? And maybe you can talk about, you, you mentioned earlier how you were getting some goblin birds and for some reason they, they shut up. Maybe kind of what was the case in some of those areas? Well, the reason, a couple of the reasons, that they shut up was because I killed them <laughs> and I didn't hunt the rest of the day. Um, from Saturday, this past Saturday morning, I killed one off the roost and, uh, I got in tight, you know, tight and out of sight. I think is what I put on my post when I posted the picture. Um, these couple birds, they were by themselves kind of off to themselves, I guess, you know, satellite birds. And so I was able to kind of just get above them on the ridge. They were kind of roosted about halfway up the ridge, you know, between the bottom and the top and just got above them as close as I could um, without them seeing me. Uh, there wasn't much foliage on the on the trees, so I had to be careful. I just used the terrain to get close and set up. Did some tree yelps. I just answered them. I didn't call to them. I just answered them. Um, and then I took my hat. It was kind of cloudy and dreary and mist and rain that morning, so I was afraid they were going to hang on the roost for quite a while anyway. So my goal that morning was to get them on the ground as quick as I could before the hens down the ridge from me got on the ground and just messed everything up. So took my hat, kind of did a little fly down with my hat, and they gobbled at that. So I knew I, was, I was a, had pretty good odds at that point. And then I heard them pitch. I heard them gobble again, and it was kind of muffled, so I knew they had pitched down. And so I just shut up, raked in the leaves a little bit, and they come up and I pop one at 20 yards. Um, so that worked. And it was a kind of the same thing Monday morning uh, with just a different bird, same setup, got in there tight uh, without them seeing me uh, because of the terrain and just got above them and I was able to get a shot when they come off the roost. 
Um, let's see what didn't work. What didn't work Sunday is I think there was just too much going on. I guess there was just too much competition for me, for me and Jacob, uh, Jacob Bliss that was with me. A lot of birds gobbling, hens were hens were yelping, jakes were calking. I think there was just too much going on, and we didn't really, you know, get to focus and set up on one bird. Another thing too, they were set up on on private, you know, just across the property line, so that didn't help us any either. But um, what has worked is just getting tight them, got getting tight to them on the roost without them seeing you. Uh, just using the terrain, like I said, because there wasn't much foliage. And just getting in, just getting in as close as you can to them, uh, because as far as I'm concerned, the closer you get to them on the roost, when they pitch down, they're more apt to come just check you out and see what's up. Any tips on getting close to the roost uh, without being seen or heard? And also, you talked a lot about kind of like subtle calling, you know, using your hat kind of as a fly down, which has been extremely effective for us as well. Uh, and something I feel like I'm not gonna say it's overlooked, but I don't hear a lot of people talk about that is just using your hat as a fly down without actually doing a fly down cackle, just doing the hat beat against your leg or whatever your chest. Um, and then also doing a little subtle scratch in the leaves. I mean, that's really awesome. I mean, you know, what other kind of tips would you have for somebody to be successful hunting right off the roost, uh, you know, in areas and slipping in there without getting seen? Well, one thing, if if you roost them the night before, then you can just get in there super early, you know, just kind of be quiet, you know, as you can. And, you know, we all know there's deer and armadillos and everything else running through the woods. I mean, you don't have to be as quiet as a mouse like you were slipping into your deer stand. But get in there and you can get in within, you know, 60, 70 yards of the roost, you know, less than 100 yards of the roost just that way, just by getting in there super early. And in my case, um, I wasn't in there super early and I didn't roost the birds the night before. So as soon as I heard the birds and I knew that I could get on them, I just kind of got on the opposite side of the ridge that they were roosted on. And I could cover a lot of ground uh, pretty quick. Didn't have to be as quiet. Um, I could have sounded like a deer, you know, bounding through the woods as far as they knew. And it just slipped up on top of the ridge. You can got set up. And uh, that worked for me, just using the terrain. You know, it's, even when it got daylight. I didn't have to worry about them seeing me. They were roosted down below the ridge enough that, you know, they wouldn't have seen me even if I stood up on top. So that helped me get close. And then, like you said about the calling, you know, I was just kind of basing, basing my calling off of the hens that were in the area. Um, they started calling too, but, you know, they weren't trying to blow that gobbler's ears off in the morning. They didn't do any fly down cackles. And I can probably, I'd probably say 80 to 90% of the, hens I hear fly off the roost, they don't do a fly down cackle. So I don't ever do one. Um, I'll just use my hat. And I kept the wing off of one of those gobblers. So I got me a wing drying right now. So I have an actual wing probably maybe by the end of the season or for next season. But yeah, just my hat. Uh, I guess I was close enough to them. And they were just torqued up enough that they gobbled at my hat. And then once I got, you know, quote unquote, got down on the ground, you know, as if I was a hen, I was just scratching the leaves and I'd, you know, pluck a little bit. And if they gobbled, I'd kind of just do some sleepy yelps to them. I wouldn't get too fired up. Uh, just let them know that I was there and just enough to kind of pique their interest. And that was just enough. They just came peeking up over the hill and that was it for them. Well, Joey, thanks again for coming on this week's episode uh, of the Strut Report. And best luck to you for the rest of your season. I know you got a trip coming up right now. Uh, you'll be leaving, I guess you said, uh, this week, whatever, to Wyoming, which is going to be a really exciting hunt. So excited to see how y'all do out there and then come on back to finish up in Tennessee. Yeah, man, I hope we stack them up. Uh, be good to get on some hard goblin birds. 
after you know getting whooped a little bit every now and then by these Easterns. It's good to get out there. All right, guys, an excellent line. we got our buddy Mark Izzard coming on from West Central Arkansas. Arkansas is an exciting state going through a lot of stuff right now, especially kind of with uh, declining turkey numbers and changing of seasons and stuff. And, Mark, I know you've gone through all that before and lots changing as well. But y'all just had your youth season, uh, and then y'all season actually comes in, the main season comes in in your zone. I guess it's the 19th of April. So you got a lot of good reports here that we're going to try to dive into and figure out what was working and what wasn't working for y'all youth season and kind of the approach for y'all's opening weekend or opening week since it starts on a Monday. But to kind of kick us off, what has the gobbling activity been like for you all, especially during the youth hunt and maybe any of the little scouting or listening you had done previously to that youth hunt, which was this past weekend? Uh, well, the gobbling activity has been really good. I went out the uh, week before the youth season, and I heard uh, – about six gobblers, and I heard um, heard probably over seventy gobbles that day. I had one down in the bottoms. He was just fired up, man. He was just tearing the trees down down there. I don't know. Uh, I, he was he was really excited. So, but uh, youth weekend came. Saturday was real bad. We had real bad windy conditions, and uh, but Sunday, man, one of those bluebird perfect days, and. Uh, I think we heard about six gobblers again on a Sunday morning. Now, from what y'all have been experiencing, also the reports you heard from other people hunting as well this past weekend, you know, from the turkeys y'all were experiencing kind of getting on and also just what you've heard from other people, have they been fairly hinned up as of this point of the season, or are people and yourself finding more lone gobblers right now? I think that they're more hinned up right now. I think they're starting to kind of break apart. Um, but from what I saw and what I experienced this past weekend, they were – Definitely still hinned up. Uh, we finally got on a, um, a bird goblin by himself at about eight thirty in the morning, and um, you know, as obvious, he was he was looking for love, and uh, was trying to accommodate him. But a pack of coyotes moved in and uh, messed us up on that. Now, also, can you explain a little bit of what the habitat type is that you're hunting in in West Central Arkansas? And also, is there any specific areas that these turkeys really like to stick to early on in the season? We're main well, we're hunting up in the mountains, and it's uh, it's mainly all hardwoods with mixed pines in it. Uh, you know, you got some creek bottoms and everything, obviously, but uh, the turkeys still seem to be sticking up there up high right now. Uh, two weeks ago, when I found them. Man, they were all all up high, and uh, this past weekend, and stuff, they were in the same spots. I I thought they would have moved down uh, during the week, you know, for the hens to be down in better nesting habitat down in the bottoms, but uh, they were still staying up high right now. I'm guessing that's based off since you're hunting more kind of hardwood pine mix. Uh, there's probably still a lot of acorns on the ground, and there's probably more acorns up in higher elevations versus other places in the southeast that we've interviewed where most of the hardwoods are down low around some of these creek bobs. So that's one reason they're down there scratching for acorns down low. Is that probably the case you're thinking? Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I think that's the case. And I want to talk a little bit about what has or hasn't been working for you guys so far this season, uh, especially during the youth hunt, but also how are you going to approach opening week in Arkansas in your unit? What's working for us is uh, just starting off up high, like most people do, and um, you know, putting in your putting in your homework before the season starts. Get those uh, gobblers located. They haven't really moved very far, and uh, so they're probably going to be in the same spots where you found them, you know, last week or the week before. The um, um, just sitting up high with them, and uh, you know, trying to get one on your level or get up above him 
um, is pretty much what's working for us. I will be starting opening week. Um, I'm going to be hitting all those same, same spots where I found turkeys before, and if I'm not getting much activity up there, I'm going to start heading down those bottoms around the clear cuts and in the creek creek bottoms uh, where I found a lot of a lot of sign down in there too. Well, Mark, thanks again for coming on this week's Strut Report. I guarantee we're going to have you back on uh, in a week or so once y'all season kind of opens up, kind of see what, how Arkansas is progressing. But best of luck to you all for the rest of your season. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Good luck to y'all. All right, guys. Next on the line, we got Jeff Davis from the upstate part of South Carolina back on the show for another report. Great thing about this report, though, is it's going to be interesting, Jeff, talking to you about this. You just got back from north central Florida, hunting down there on some public land. Uh, y'all killed a bird, and now you're back here hunting in South Carolina. So you're going to have reports coming from both areas, but we're going to kind of pick, uh, pick them both apart. Kind of jumping right into the first question, what was the gobbling activity like for you guys this past week while you were down there in north central Florida, but also how has it been since you got back to uh, South Carolina? Uh, Florida was bad. Uh heard four gobbles the first morning my buddy heard one bird gobble he ended up killing it uh here it's you got them limb gobbling and then hit the ground you might get 30 minutes out of them and it's over same stuff people's killing them in the afternoon they're all coming in quiet you might get one gobble out of them and they sneak in on you so it's getting better but it still ain't there now, also from what you experienced both down in South Florida, or I'm sorry, in North Central Florida, but also South Carolina, at this point of the season, you know, have y'all been experiencing kind of still hinned up gobblers, or are you starting to find any more lone gobblers right now? I'd say it's all hens. Uh, yesterday we went, <clears throat> we hunted the mountains yesterday, had three or four different birds gobble. We went after, there was two together, so we went after them. And I'm pretty sure... They stood up on top of the mountain and gobbled for a while, and then we had them come to the top, and we thought they were coming down it, but they weren't. They quit gobbling. We went up to the top where they were after about 30 minutes, and they were off the other side of the mountain. And I'm pretty sure they had hens. The guy was with us yesterday, went in there this morning. He had them at 70 yards, went across the creek, and a hen come through there, and they watched her take them off. So I'd say they're all hemmed up. And people that are killing them, for the most part, it's afternoon between 1 and 4. All right. Now, actually, kind of interesting because last time we had you on, we talked about kind of a little bit more kind of afternoon hunting and how to slip hunt and, and do some blind call setups and, and get into that, which is, again, an interesting take of kind of what's helped you be successful with the afternoon hunts. But – I'm really curious on this next question, especially from what you told me uh, before we actually started recording, of like, what's the habitat like, especially in north central Florida where y'all were hunting? What was the habitat like down there? What were those turkeys really liking to stick to in that kind of habitat? And uh, and kind of maybe walk us through that and kind of what you kind of learned and experienced down there. <laughs> I forgot. I had We had one. We didn't get to hunt Sunday morning because of thunderstorms. But uh, Saturday morning we decided we'd go where he killed that turkey the first day but we'd come in an opposite way on the road and we almost got to where he killed it and there was a bird just starting i mean he was hammering on the limb but he's 60 yards in wide open pines well it's wide open at head high below head high you can't see anything so we sat down we're on the sandy road we sat down figured out what we was going to do and we snuck down the road that he was on in the woods 
and we just kind of waited to see what he was going to do and I watched a hen drop out of a tree. She didn't fly out. She just dropped straight down. When she did, the bird shut up and he dropped down. Well, I crawled thinking I can get to him because they weren't, when she dropped, she was maybe 60 yards. I crawled and I don't, I was probably 40 yards straight line distance through the woods, but there was a bush in a corner and I could hear that turkey drumming with that hen. And I could, it got to the point where I thought he was going to come around the corner. But I mean, we're at 30 yards at this point and I can't see anything. I can't see either one of them. I could hear them. And I sat there because you can't move. You know, you can't crawl around a bush and just pop out there. And it's just so thick, you can't see anything. The way he killed his turkey was. He cut out, I mean, he bush-hogged the spot on the side of the road dude, he could sit in and killed the turkey coming down the road. And, and you, every road you get on down there, you got gobble tracks, hen tracks, and it's both ways. I mean, that's how they're traveling. They're using roads. They, you, they can walk through it, and they will, because I watched them do it, but, but they're using them roads. And the roads down there are much more like just kind of like old logging roads. They're just kind of overgrown, right? Some of them. And the way the way everything was set up, it's a grid, and every block was named, but it's gridded off. If you look at it on Onyx or any kind of map, you can see all the roads. They're squares. You could drive them if you had an old truck that you didn't care about. You could drive anywhere in there. Like I drive an F two fifty. My mirrors would have been in the bushes, hitting pine trees. I'd have had to fold them in to drive these roads. They're that narrow, and it's just junk. So you really can't, you can drive them, but you can't, I mean, people do it. I watched somebody drive down one, I mean, in a full-size Chevy truck, but I wouldn't. But that's what they're using. But I'm not going to say they won't go in it because I watched come out of a clear cut and go in it. But it's, it ended up, he went into a old fire break logging road something, but it was clear enough he could walk it. Because those scrub oaks, I'm saying shoulder, head high on me, and you got to just push through them. But those turkeys can walk under them. And I don't know. <laughs> they can't see five feet when they're in them, but they're using them. I'm sure that I would have never believed that. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure that's probably challenging trying to walk through and deal with that, uh, especially out there if you were trying to cut through that kind of stuff. Oh, there was no moving. You had to get in the truck and drive around. I mean, we talked about it one morning. We was, was and the clear cut that you know a clear cut to me, you don't. They might cut a hundred acres. Those clear cuts were between three hundred and a thousand. So <laughs> we sitting on a clear cut one morning, waiting on a bird to gobble, and I said, "What, what are we gonna do if he gobbles in that corner up there? Well, that's where he was." You can't move on him because if you drive over there, he's watched you drive for half a mile. You can't walk across it because it takes you an hour. It's just a big, it's a whole new world. But you got most people from what we saw. Now it's six hundred thousand acres, so you ain't gonna see a lot of hunters. You know, it was two hundred permits issued. It's six hundred thousand acres. We saw three other people hunting, but everybody's riding in trucks turn the truck off, get out and call. You don't hear nothing. They're just driving. I mean, 
we were the only ones actually out of the vehicle hunting the way we hunt that we actually saw. Everybody else is riding roads. Now, let me ask you this. As kind of a final question, you know, what worked for you guys down there? Like kind of what worked for your buddy? How was he being, how was he successful? But also what didn't work for him? And then also I want you to kind of answer the same question for like South Carolina, which you've been dealing with the last few days. He, we scouted. I mean, we spent, he, he, he lives two hours from there. So he, he went down twice and he picked a spot and stuck with it. And every time this one road, it seemed to be the center of all the turkey activity because the road system in there, every road ended up on that road and you had a clear cut on it at both ends of the road. Well, we figured out that all the turkeys are using those clear cuts because what else do they got that's open? And they're using roads to move in those, in that thick stuff. They have to use the, well, they don't have to, but they're using the roads. Well, all the roads at some point connected to that road. And it was the quickest way for them to get clear cut to clear cut. I think he spent a total of probably, we, we walked 10 miles the day before the hunt started. And he probably walked five to ten the other two times he went. And that road had tracks up and down it. It had mud holes in it. You could see where they were drinking water. Well, that morning we started on a clear cut. And I, we saw a Tom cross the road on that clear cut the night before. So I sat there thinking he'll roost right there, fly down on the road, and I could shoot him in this clear cut. Well, that didn't happen. My buddy, he stood out on the clear cut for 10 minutes and decided he's going up the road where all the tracks are. And that's how it worked. And the rest of the time, we were just searching. I mean, setting up on roads, busting your way into thick stuff, finding any opening you could and try to call. And nothing worked until that last morning. You know, I got on one. It, it was gobbling on a limb and all the crawling and stuff. And, you know, 10 minutes later, that turkey's gobbling at me, calling 200 yards and stuff you can't get through. So, I mean, setting roads. I mean, we watched YouTube videos for weeks, everything we could find on the place. And the common thing is you set a road. That was the, everybody says the same thing. You set roads. Now also, kind of on the flip side in South Carolina, you know, what's kind of been the struggle so far this uh, this week? Kind of what's been working for you, what's not been working for you, and kind of how are you going to progress to kind of fill that last tag? Well, nothing's working for me, but uh I talked to a guy a while ago. His buddy's killed two since Sunday. He killed one up in a day, and then he's killed his – he tagged out. He killed his third one a day, but Sunday he went, and then – Today he killed that one, but both days he's went and set the ground blind in pines. He went in at 9.30 and killed one at 1 o'clock, and today he went in at 1 and killed it at 4. And he's just sitting there calling every 15, 30 minutes or whatever. And he said both times turkeys gobbled once and came straight to him. I got another buddy that last week he killed one here, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He got it to gobble once. He sat down. He gobbled one more time coming. And then it gobbled once on its own looking for him and he shot it. But and I got another buddy, but he's a whole different thing. He's killing them off the limb every morning, but but and I know a lady, she killed one four o'clock in the afternoon and it came in silent. So it's all I'd say they're still with hens and you're just catching them 
searching in the afternoons. Well, thanks again for coming on this week's episode. Best of luck to you. Hopefully, man, you can get on there and uh, and kill a couple more turkeys. But, Jeff, dude, uh, keep us posted how the rest of your season goes, and best of luck to you. Thanks, man. Try in the morning. All right, guys, and last on the line, we've got our good buddy Devin Duncan coming in from the great state of Virginia. Devin, I know you've already had some success this uh, spring, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But to kind of kick us off, what has the gobbling activity been like for you up in Virginia? I can't, you know, of course, I can't speak for all of Virginia. I, I hunt uh, in the mountains on the west west side of the state, uh, mainly national forest, and uh, it's been spotty. Uh, populations are pretty thin in the mountains, and uh, I mean, I got out and scouted uh, like two weeks before season, probably a half dozen days uh, when I had time to. Um, and that's just that's not just going out and listening to daylight. You know, I'll, I'll go around and listen. You know, throughout the morning, uh, at places it doesn't have to be just a daylight. Uh, daylight's a good time to get inventory, but it's been spotty. They uh, you might find one gobbler. You know, there in preseason, like one be raising cane and. Now I hear a couple others at daylight gobble a couple times and hit the ground. It's typical uh, early season turkeys, you know. Fly, you know, the, the 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 dominant gobblers are flying down the hens and shutting up pretty quick. And uh, satellite birds, you know, those ones that you're you're wanting to find, those lonely loudmouth two year olds, they're they're getting harder and harder to come by. So. Uh, Overall, since season came in Saturday, and haven't really heard a, a ton of goblin, um, I've been able to roost gobblers every night. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm working uh, uh, can't tonight, but I got a break here. But um, I've been able to to roost gobblers, so that puts us, uh, you know, the, the night before, being able to put gobblers to bed, so that puts puts me and my buddy who was hunting with me that that lets us get close to a gobbler out the gate if i'm free from family responsibilities and off work i'm going to be out trying to roost a gobbler i have a lot of luck uh, some people swear they they can't they can't ever get gobblers to gobble in the evening and uh, if, I, if if i like say if i'm off work and free from family responsibilities i'm gonna be out there trying to roost a gobbler and this year so far batting 100 percent in the evenings um so every morning I see you've hunted, hunted Saturday was opening day, didn't hunt Sunday because you only hunt private and didn't really have anywhere to hunt. Hunted Monday, had to work Tuesday, and then hunted this morning. So Saturday, Monday, today, that's just three days, right? Yeah, only got to hunt three days. And uh, we were set up on gobblers at daylight uh, every morning, uh, typical every one of them. Uh, every gobbler we set up on at daylight, I was we was I had us set up uh, 125 yards roughly to all of them, well before daylight. Um, I know two of them. Saturday morning and Monday morning, we was in there like an hour before daylight, or hour before goblin time. Mainly, not necessarily that we had long walks to make or anything like that, but it's open a week and trying to get our spot, so we just go ahead and work in there. So, you know, we ain't got to walk our guts out and fast. We just slip in there real slow and easy and take our time. I know that last uh, gobbler on Monday, uh, we made our final approach, the final 150, 200 yards, final 200 yards probably in the dark with no headlamp. So 
you know, no, not no path. You know, we're in the woods, so just feeling my way with, you know, my steps getting in there tight to them. But um, all those gobblers we've set up on at daylight off the limb have basically all done the exact same thing, hit the ground and dead silence. They, you know, flying down the hens. Uh, I don't think any of them had a flock of hens. I think every single one of those birds uh, all had one hen um, flew down to her and couldn't even get like a courtesy gobble out of them. Uh, you know, you've, everybody's hunted hen up birds that will let out a gobble once in a while, I'll let you know where they are so you can reposition and stay with them and hang tight to them and, and try to get in front of them. But these wouldn't do that. You, you know, I, I waited on all of them, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, seeing if they would gobble, listening for drumming, and they never would give us any clues. So basically, at that point, I try to slip out of there without, you know, away from the direction I expected them to be to not spook them because I don't know where they're at. I don't want to spook them. I try to uh, limit, I don't want to spook birds, which has been a big uh, process of how we've been hunting after um, we get off those birds, gotten off those birds at, at daylight to fly down and start moving through the woods. <clears throat> I'm not just taking off through the woods. I mean, I guess you consider myself a running gun hunter, of course, but I'm not just plowing through the woods, walking, stopping, and calling, and right back to walking you know, fast pace, I'm slipping like a bobcat, just a couple steps and a lot more listening than calling. I'm calling soft to start out with and listening because it's that early season. I'm not hearing a lot of, I'm not hearing any hens calling. So it's just not natural to just be going through the woods, hammering on a box call. I mean, I could, you know, sure you can find a two-year-old that would cut you off and, and come in, but I mean, there's just not any not much turkey talk in the woods in general uh, for me where I've been. So I'm just slipping really slow, doing more listening than calling. Uh, you know, we'll go 25, 50. The lead's been pretty dry. So 25, 50 yards and just stand there for a couple minutes. Stand and listen. I'm listening for drumming. I'm listening for drumming with 10 times more intensity with my ears and my brain than I am for, go for a gobble. Because I can hear that gobble. I can pick up on that gobble at drumming. I'm really tuning my whole body and you know zoning everything else out and and with pure intensity listening for drumming because uh you know these mature gobblers you, you never know when you're going to slip around the ridge on one and he'd be there drumming um, actually youth day uh, the weekend before last uh, see Virginia the first week in Virginia is youth weekend and um the second Saturday in April, season always comes in. So the first weekend, we took an eight-year-old boy, and we uh, it started out slow. We heard some gobbling long ways away, but nothing close by. So we kept working our way around the mountain, kind of at a quicker pace, because I wanted to get my ears on new country at that peak gobbling time. And we was moving and listening, moving and listening, and finally located the gobbler on our side, and uh, kind of had an idea where he was, but wasn't for certain. So we was I, I had I, I was slipping towards this little knob like point of a ridge, and I told the little boy and the guy that was with me to hang back and let me slip up there. I told them to stay back about 20 yards, and I slipped up there real easy and put my ears over top of the ridge and I listened. And you know he wasn't gobbling, but I listened. I thought I heard a drum, and then I heard him. I'm like, you know, I turned around. I said, "Come here, get you know." Motion the little boy to get up there to me fast. And he, the gobbler wasn't 
probably 60, 70 yards just out of sight over the rise in the ground. So there's kind of an example of not plowing through the woods and taking your time in the early season. Well, you know, any time of the year, especially if you've done some scouting, you know, there's birds in there. I, I just don't want to plow through the woods and spook turkeys that I'm going to be spending some time on hunting. I can't control what other people do on public land. There might be some guy come through there later in the day or the next day, just plow right through them and spook them. But what I can control is my action. So I try to move. If I'm going, you know, a shot in the dark into some country, I may move a little faster pace, maybe, uh, if I haven't scouted, just prospecting, trying to find a gobbler. But places that, you know, places I, I scouted and have an idea where birds are hanging out, even though they're not gobbling, you know, I have that feeling that they could be right there. So um, if there's anything, I guess, people could take from early season turkeys, for me is, uh, of course, if you ain't got your ears on a hot goblin turkey, of course, you, you know, you're going to move to him. But if it's quiet and, you know, you can hear a lot of ground, there ain't nothing gobbling, nothing spawning the calls, don't get in a hurry. Uh, don't don't worry about trying to cover five, ten miles and trying to strike up a bird because – I mean, if I'm hunting out of state and it's somewhere I'm just going for a two or three day trip, you know, and I'm not going to be back for a year or maybe a couple of years, yeah, I might be really aggressive because I'm limited time. So I may push hard and try to find that hot goblin turkey to, to be successful, uh, maybe in that situation. But, you know, my, you know, local areas, early season turkeys, uh, as I've gotten older, I've slowed down, not because I can't move through the woods, but just taking my time and doing lots of listening. Like this morning, uh, we was on a gobbler daylight. He flew down, shut up, uh, no, heard no drumming. He wouldn't respond to calls, didn't know where he was at. So after about 45 minutes and a half hour, 45 minutes of waiting on him, nothing else was gobbling and, and everything we could hear. I said, well, let's slip out of here and then, uh, and go make a hunt, uh, where I knew where, where I was, had a pretty good idea that there was a couple birds scattered out out through that area country on the side of a mountain and actually i couldn't make my mind up after we left that gobbler so uh, to tell you the truth uh there was two places i had in mind i couldn't decide so i actually flipped a coin i said you know heads will go here tails will go there and i uh so the coin flip worked out this morning because um we probably didn't walk but about a mile and a quarter mile and a half and it probably took roughly two hours probably about two hours to cover just a mile um pretty easy walking like say it's not that we can't move through the woods but i'm just slipping through there real slow listening hard listening for drumming um and um, we got uh, this area working our way around the mountain about 9 30 um I was getting to where I wanted to, where I wanted us to be, and I said, "Let's sit down here and take a break. We're just going to listen for about ten, fifteen minutes before we even call." And it was uh, actually picked out a pretty nice looking setup spot. It, it wasn't like a randomly just sat down in the woods. It, it, it was uh, a good, a good. We was both going to set that tree while we was taking a break, and uh, it was kind of a nice setup because it was kind of a little knob and everything. When they, you know, if a turkey would happen to slip in or gobble down over the ridge or that we would uh, he would have to come in and look for us you know kind of that hide the hen uh scott ellis is having this podcast same thing i want that gobbler to have to come up there and show himself to me i don't want him to be able to see a long ways um 
so I, I didn't just randomly sit down in the woods this morning. But we didn't we didn't really get to take much of a break because no sooner than I told him, told my buddy, hey, let's sit here and take a break and just listen and, and listen for 10, 15 minutes before we do anything. Maybe one will gobble on his own. It wasn't a minute. And one gobbled on his own. And so we engaged with that turkey, and he re, he was being responsive, gobbling, answering us pretty good. And then it took him a little bit to kind of break. But once he broke and started coming, he came in good and steady and uh, shot him right uh, Found the gobbler around 9.30, 9.35, and my buddy pulled the trigger at 10 o'clock on the dot. No, I'm really curious. Uh, you said a couple things I really want to dive into, but um, one, because so I don't forget about it, because I want to talk a little bit more about what's kind of helped you guys been successful. But also, before you do that, early on you talked about how you're batting 100 right now on roosting turkeys, roosting gobblers. Can you talk about, you know, what are some of the mistakes that you see a lot of guys make when trying to roost gobblers in the evening, uh, whether it's public probably doesn't really matter? And then how are you so successful at trying to roost gobblers so you have a good game plan for the following morning? I, I just have uh, – I know, you know, I have people, in, you know, locally that just have, don't have no luck roosting. I don't know if maybe they're not putting their, you know, putting their ears in where turkeys are. I mean, I know for a fact that that's, you know – I've, many evenings I went and roosted and not hear a peep and have a pretty good idea there's a gobbler there and him not say it, you know, in a nice evening and uh, him not say a peep and go back there the next morning and sure enough, like I was thinking, he was there and, and raised cane. Um, but I wait for that last 30 minutes of light before I, I start hooting. Sometimes a gobbler will start gobbling on his own in the evening. But um, I try to, uh, unless I'm really got a bone to pick with a gobbler and, and walking in there away from the road um, to go after, you know, I really got a bone to pick with a gobbler and walking in there to go after him and try to locate him or something. I try to be kind of pretty mobile. That, um, that last 30 minutes, I'll probably give the first spot, because a lot of times I've, I've seen it, uh, you know, you're hooting and nothing gobble, and that last bit of light, I mean, almost dark, you know, you'll get a gobbler to gobble, that last little bit of light. And, you know, and they ain't said nothing for that whole 30 minutes, and that last little bit of light, he'll let out a gobble or two or something, or just one gobble is all you need. But um, but that that earlier part in, in the sunset time, you know, I, I give the first spot I try a good 10 minutes, and then if nothing's happened, then I'm, and you know, I, if I can be mobile, you know, with a vehicle on a, a access road, or a, you know, a road in general, I will, you know, maybe try to buzz somewhere else really, really fast, and maybe hit two or three other places before it's, you know, past, you know, when they're going to stop gobbling at, at, at nighttime. But so, um, like uh, last night, I, I roosted a, a gobbler. And I spent quite a bit of time there li listening to him, trying to get him to gobble a couple extra times to get a really good – he wasn't gobbling very good, but he would gobble every so often uh, at me hooting. And I would to, had to hoot pretty loud uh, um, to get him to, to bite on it, uh, to shock him into gobbling. And I was trying to get a good pin on him. And once I was satisfied that I had him marked pretty good, then I – then I hauled butt to another place and didn't hear anything. And it was almost where you think there's no way I could get 
a gobble to gobble at this point, but I said, well, I'm going to go another place real, real fast. And I run there and I had to walk about a hundred yards from the road to get up on a little ridge to be able to hear. And it was just about dark. It was like 825 and wasn't really expecting to get a gobble to gobble. And uh, I hooted and a gobbler gobbled way off. And he gobbled two or three times, three, I think three times for me. And I got a good pin on him. And that was actually, that was a new gobbler that I located, hadn't hunted that gobbler. And so the other, the first turkey, I located, uh, I actually avoided him because he'd been a pretty dominant bird and had a lot of hens and I didn't want to invest my first part of the morning, uh, you know, on him. So I said, let's go try this new gobbler located. Maybe he is two year old or, you know, by himself and lonely and catch him at the right time on the right morning. So we tried him this morning and sure enough, he, he had a hen and, um, they just uh, the turkeys i've ran into that's got hens they are not giving me anything to work with at all uh, once they hit the ground they're they won't i can't you know uh, you know try soft calling and then maybe cut at them trying to jerk a gobble out of them you know they won't even give me a courtesy gobble anything to reposition on them or relocate on them um but as far as roosting gobblers in the evening it's just you got to do it uh, some people may not do it just ain't had no luck but i would just keep going and trying because eventually maybe something will click for you if i'm off work and free from family responsibilities my boy's taken care of i am out there trying to roost a gobbler to give me something to start off of that that next morning for sure does that there's a <clears throat> owl hooting play a huge factor into it or do you like to just go out there and sometimes just let the woods kind of do its own thing and deceive when gobbles on their own or, i mean are you always out there with the hooting stick and you're trying to get them to gobble um, I'll sit there and wait and listen for a little while. Um, but normally I'm always using my hooter. Um, I use the Harrison hooting stick. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, finish is coming off on it. I've had that thing like five years now and I hoot with my mouth quite a bit, but when I'm really trying to get out there a long ways i can come in on that thing and and try to that the barrel the barrel at the end of the owl who you know at the oh like the the end of that seems like it's almost uh especially with a hooter i can really roll it good some guys are great with their mouth um but that that barrel seems like it's almost like kind of a simulates a gobble in a way to your ear uh, it's not saying it sounds anything like a gobble, but it's like it's shot. It may shock them, and I have luck with roosts and turkeys and even using a gobble as well. Um, I I'm not really proficient with gobbling with a mouth call, and and I'm not very efficient with gobbling with a tube call. Um, some people may laugh at this, but for about 15 years, I still have the first one I bought. It's sounds great i have one of those uh it's old and broke in the plastic's really limber and broke in i have a old primo's gobble shaker and it, i did not go in the woods without it i've i've killed uh quite a few gobblers you know get you know hung up gobblers uh with that you know in the morning getting them to break and come in and i have luck striking up gobblers so you don't hear a lot of people talking about it i don't know if it's a safety issue or what but on public land um I'm not going to sit there and just keep gobbling and gobbling and gobbling and gobbling and gobble up a hunter, but, you know, just, you know, randomly, I may do a call and sequence trying to strike something up, and before I move on, I may hit that gobble. There's lots, I mean, many, any, anybody turkey on a lot, they can recall sitting in the woods, 
and not hearing anything and sitting there waiting and all of a sudden a gobbler gobble off in the distance and then your gobbler that you're after or hoping to you know whatever he, you know he'll immediately sound back off so i've had uh, good luck you know using that as a to strike gobblers up with throughout the morning as well so a hoot owl um, i have used a coyote howler before in the past but i haven't carried one with me in quite a while shane simpson came hunt with me last year i had a guy uh, we we uh, I I sent I sent him to a place to listen and I went to another place to listen to get more ears uh, on more country and I had a gobbler gobbling a uh, couple gobblers gobbling at a hoot owl call but Shane was around the mountain and uh, he, he what he was having luck with was the coyote owl that real high pitch carries and cuts out through there and uh, they was gobbling pretty good his coyote owl so I might uh, actually put a little um, little coyote. Uh, howler in my bag this this spring i haven't used it yet or utilized it but it's there in case i feel like i need to need to give it a shot yeah i've actually used funny you said that both with a gobble uh gobbling to locate a bird and also howling uh, i used to use howling quite a bit uh it worked for me really well when i was hunting north carolina a few years back about three years ago and uh, i had a diaphragm howler um uh, so it's from i think it's mfk game calls and uh, they make a bunch of like diaphragm uh, howlers, which are awesome to use because it's so easy just keeping your vest or whatever. And uh, it worked unbelievable out there. Now here in Alabama, I haven't had any success with it at all, but in North Carolina, it was fantastic on public land up there where they would just hammer it while they're on the roost. And I think it's situational based on different areas. I think areas where you have a lot of coyotes, it might not be just super hot to use, uh, like especially down here. But like when I was in North Carolina, I mean, dude, it was the one thing they they would not gobble at a hooting stick. Uh, or hoot owl it was only the um the coyote howler and the funny thing is you can get so loud with it um we would do it from the road so we were working me and a buddy mom uh greg broadway we were working a piece of public land and uh just we're down the road and it was a fresh burn like i'm talking like, like stumps were still just smoking it and you could see it like still lit uh it was kind of you know dim in the evening and at coyote howler the diaphragm you can get so loud with it and just rip off a howl and like bark like bah, 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 and you can like just rip one off and it carries so well when it's calm um or if it's windy it'll cut through the wind and dude like they just couldn't resist it it just freaking just started hammering um and then also you're talking about the gobbling and that's something that me and andrew did uh for, oh, four years ago maybe and it was funny because we were actually gobbling on a box call and you know some guys can get pretty good on a box call and that's the way i would do it i can't do it on a mouth call to call nothing but i could do it pretty i could do it decently well on a box call and uh we did it in this one spot and uh hunting this little uh kind of swamp head of the slough and was sitting there and man, there was a ton of sign dude but the turkeys just weren't talking and Gobbled three or four times in this one spot within just a couple minutes after we had done a step and we got up to reposition and move and went down the slough like, I don't know, 200 yards. And by the time we get down the slough 200 yards, the ridge up above us, I, we could hear something running and it's two gobblers running down to the spot we just gobbled from and they were like gobbling their brains out. And by the time that had happened, we were out of the zone. We were, you know, 150 yards from where we had just gobbled from and they run down there right to where we were sitting at and gobbled from strutting around gobbling their brains out and we got in a terrible position dude and uh they busted us while we were trying to make a position or try to set up in a spot where they come in on us the bottom was just too open um but that opened my eyes to gobbling because that was the first time i mean i had gobblers just straight up running and you know we had been doing all kinds of blind calling sequences and nothing worked but the uh the gobbling absolutely played a factor but on the flip side and you touched on this a little bit how you know some people just don't talk about it especially for public land you do got to be careful i've had a, i've had one guy first year i ever hunted public land 
had one guy actually uh, crawl in on me. Uh, now, I wasn't gobbling, thank God, but uh, just doing some you know, subtle hen calling and uh, just soft yelps and stuff and had to do crawl right in on me to 25 yards through some thick stuff. And uh, definitely open up your eyes to doing any kind of male turkey vocalizations. But in an area, especially if you're hunting in an area, my thoughts, and uh, Devin, you can give me your thoughts as well, you're hunting like kind of like the big woods situation, big hardwoods where you can see a decent ways. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, especially, you know, if you're trying to do the high, the hen, but you're kind of constantly moving, like what you're talking about, I would not do it in an area where it's extremely thick, where you only have 30, 40 yards of visibility. Uh, and when you're hunting big country, you can kind of get a sense. I mean, you never really know where someone is, so don't take it for granted, but you kind of have a sense of, of when you're by yourself. Uh, that's not in stone. Of course, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm by myself. I can do what I want. I'm still going to be cautious, but. When you're in bigger country, there's certainly a, a part of you that kind of you can kind of feel, you know, when you're kind of pretty much in there all by yourself. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, one thing I'm, I'm really curious on, so, you know, the location calls and stuff like that and getting a gobbler to shot gobble, you know, throughout the morning is something I think a lot of guys kind of, you know, stress about. And, you know, if they're not talking, they just want to run up and down the ridges and try to cover a lot of ground. And, you know, my personal thoughts is, you know, I, I bump a ton of turkeys when I do that. And the reason why is – you know, you might not see the turkeys, but they hear you come and they get out of there, and then you find a ton of fresh scratch, and you're like, oh, crap. You know, I clearly walked up over Yeah, I mean, you might not even know that you bumped them yep. when you're moving through the woods like that. And uh, and that, that's one thing I think a lot of people, uh, you know, because I'm guilty of it. I mean, you know, I'm saying this from just experience uh, or the lack thereof. You know, you just you get in a hut, you get in a, ru- a hurry or rush. You come up over a little ridge point or something. You're not taking your time. You're not stopping. You're not listening. And there's a freaking gobbler sitting right there. That happened to Andrew uh, two weekends ago. We were hunting, and Andrew popped. He 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 was kind of blind calling, kind of walking, kind of easing through the woods. And Andrew walks extremely fast when he's in the woods. Uh, you know, when he's on a mission to go do something. And he was hiking back to the truck, and there's this one little knob. When you look at the map, it's like a perfect knob. If a gobbler wants to get up on it and kind of strut and gobble, it's like a perfect little spot where he can be seen from a bunch of directions he can be heard from a bunch of different directions well andrew was like 150 yards from it did some calling nothing didn't hear anything didn't say anything so he just kind of like you know kind of eases up you know in a quicker motion up over that little knob and blows a gobbler right off of it um yeah and uh it again he was just quiet he was just hanging out and just chilling and maybe maybe you know the, the drumming is something that's very interesting because I know you, you we've had you on the episode or had you on the podcast last year, did a full episode kind of like tuning your ear to like listening for those subtle sounds. And the the, the sound of a of drumming, some people can't hear it. Some people just cannot, they, they their frequency, of the, you know, they just cannot hear it. And I, I really feel bad for those people because that is a huge, huge disadvantage, huge disadvantage. Exactly. And, you know, I, I've started to hear it more and more. I, I definitely, I can't pick up on it like you can at that kind of distance. You know, if I got a bird within 30, 40 yards, normally I can hear it okay, uh, especially if it's calm. But I know like you and a couple other guys I know, I mean, have talked about, you know, on a calm day hearing it at 70, 80 yards plus if it's calm and you can oh, really get a good eye and good uh, ear. A hundred, 150 plus. Well, so, listen, now, now you just – Man, we gotta figure out what kind of frequency your ears are tuned to, my man. Because I see when 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 the when the conditions are right and it's early season, there's no foliage, and you know it could possibly it's probably you know can hear further than that. But if you're on a you know a, a, a one ridge on a, and there's another big ridge across the hollow, and it's really calm and crisp, I mean you can you can hear that for a long ways uh, when there's you know when the conditions are right. Like well, this morning. 
this morning on that gobbler once we you know we, we sat there to take a break and listen and then it wasn't no sooner than he gobbled um you know i we got set up and i started to engage with him and he answered me and he was pretty responsive and then uh several minutes went by I was I was back behind my buddy about 30 yards, and it it started to bother me because I could hear the gobbler gobble to me, but I couldn't tell what the gobbler was doing. I couldn't tell if the from where I was setting was a big difference from where he was setting 30, 20, 30 yards in front of me, and I could hear the gobbler down in that hollow uh, gobble, but I couldn't tell was he staying in the same spot, was he advancing and moving. So after it, about five minutes, I really became uneasy because I couldn't tell what the gobbler was doing. So I eased up to my buddy. I knew I was safe to ease up to my buddy and see what, and I was like, what's he doing? And I kind of walked around and I, once, and he gobbled and, I, and he was a good ways away. I could safely move around. I kind of walked around on that ridge calling, moving around, kind of dropped over and then back. And then, you know, just in a spot 20 yards, it's like a hen walking around moving. And uh, I waited and he... I called and he didn't gobble and I called and he didn't gobble and I called and he didn't gobble and I listened and he, I called and he didn't gobble and I said he's coming when you know it was when sometimes when they finally break off their spot they're and it gets quiet they're on the way lots of times in my experience he's on the way I told my buddy I said get ready he's coming so I set up beside him so that uh, I could t- because he's less experienced than me. I'm trying to help him get tagged out because he only has one week of vacation. And uh, so I sat close to him, about five yards from him to his right. And uh, I'm trying to recall if the gobbler gobbled again. I think he might have gobbled one more time. And, and But that last approach of his, the last 100 yards, he didn't say anything. And I, thought, I told him, I, and at, at that point, I was telling myself he's coming, but I still hadn't had a... Uh, confirmation from him the gobbler that he was advancing it was a possibility he was still down there in his spot just not just not answering me but i had a feeling he was coming and probably three four five minutes went by and i thought i heard a drum way off down at the ridge probably 100 yards the way the ground lays probably about as far as far as i could hear it and i didn't hear it for a little bit i told my buddy i said i think i just heard a drum and where our gun barrels was kind of pointing in the same direction i wanted him to shoot we wasn't going to let the turkey get away uh, if it come to the gobbler getting away i would i would definitely shoot the gobbler but i want him to kill the gobbler i've killed my share and he's only got a week of vacation i was wanting him to shoot the gobbler so it worked out good um we were sitting there and all of a sudden the drum was loud to my to my left and his gun barrel was pointing down uh, the wrong direction i said move your gun to that big tree now and he and he moved his gun to that big tree, and it wasn't 10, 15 seconds, and boom, the gobbler popped up right there, and we killed him about 30 yards. But um, I guess that's an example of, of of not not necessarily even when you're walking around trying to locate a gobbler and trying to you know, walk up on him, hearing him drumming. But that final approach, you're going to run into lots of gobblers that when they break. Uh, the best collars in the world might not be able to jerk a gobble out of him. Sometimes that lasts 100, 100 yards. They, I don't know what it is, what what switches in them, but it's like when they break and they're coming, it's just they're coming. And if he's not drumming, that's a tricky situation if the leaves are wet because he could pop up anywhere. That's when you really get nerve wracking. Like where's he at? You don't. But if he well, at least when they're coming in content and drumming, you can key in on that drumming and have and re, and have, put your gun barrel in the right position. Um, 
if if I wouldn't have told my buddy, you know, move your gun barrel now when I did it, you know, that's another thing. That whether you're by yourself or with someone, you got to sometimes you, if you're the more experienced hunter, kind of more more of a guide in the situation, you got to be deliberate when I was telling them. If you need to tell them something, just you got to be deliberate and tell them at that moment. And like I could have waited and hesitated, and the guy, you know, but something was in me like I need to get him to move his gun barrel now, and I, you know move your gun barrel and he moved it and it wasn't 10 15 seconds and I, and I heard him say i got him and i and i couldn't see him i was just a couple feet away from him but i couldn't see the gobbler and boom you know we got him awesome dude and so that's so exciting well let me ask to kind of wrap up uh this report you know what's a piece of advice you'd give to anybody whether they're hunting you know in your home state of virginia right now uh, during the season they're kind of dealing with the conditions you're dealing with now or maybe some of these other states kind of up and down the east coast and, and going out to the midwest which are just now opening up you know there's not much green on the trees if any at all uh they're still dealing with kind of probably similar situations that you're dealing with maybe what kind of piece of advice you'd give them to maybe go out there this weekend and have some success during the conditions that we're given right now well down in the south it's getting kind of past early season but it's definitely early season conditions here in virginia in the western and the higher elevations in the mountains and just going off of what I, i've been dealing with you know since saturday since season come in as i didn't get to go anywhere early this year and hunt this year i had to wait uh normally the last couple of years i've tried to go south and hunt before virginia comes in but right now the way things are going at the moment move slow and deliberate and listen with 10 times the intensity for drumming as you do a gobble you're going to hear that gobble if you're paying any kind of attention but you can miss drumming if you're not completely zoning everything else out and listening hard um before you slip up over a knob you know don't just walk up on that knob or that bend in the road stop and listen and you don't you don't have to call as soon as you stop and you, you know if you're prospecting for a gobbler you don't have to call as soon as you stop you know, you can learn to stand there and listen for five, 10, 15 minutes. I mean, and if you're in some turkeys, you don't have to move 100, 200 yards every time you go to move to call again. You can take five steps and stop and listen. I mean, my buddy could tell you that he's probably seen the last couple of days following me, and I can take five, 10 steps and stop and listen. Five, 10 steps and stop and listen. I might stand there 30 seconds, 60 seconds, take a couple more steps and listen because. Uh, that that distance you can hear that drum you may step inside of that zone of your hearing in 10 yards you know you could lose that sound you, you, 10 yards further away you might not be able to hear that drum but 10 yards further that frequency will then pick up to your ear so when you think you're in you're seeing lots of fresh turkey sign turkeys aren't gobbling it's early kind of early season conditions they're not saying anything and this is more of hunting kind of your home area something that you're going to be spending some time in you don't want to spook the turkeys and run them off and stuff I'm not saying you can't hunt like this at all you know out of state when you're on a two or three day weekend run um but i guess if i had anything to say about the way the season's going now is just take your time move slow and and try to put yourself in where of course obviously you want to be in turkeys um I think Monday morning I was kicking myself pretty hard because we went to a place that morning, set up on a gobbler that I roosted. He hit the ground, shut up, and then we went somewhere else to hunt. And besides picking something that I that I had an idea of, that there was a couple of turkeys in there, I took a, a a shot in the dark at a place I've hunted before, but I hadn't scouted. 
and we walked around through there, made a, a I think it was about a two mile hunt, and then there was one way in and one way out, so it wasn't like you could cover different ground and uh, you know go to and then come out a different way and cover different ground. We had to cover the same ground twice, and it was pretty dead. So I was kicking myself in the butt for not going, knowing, going to a place where I knew turkeys were. Yeah, we could have went around there and found a lonely gobbler and killed one, and it had been great, but I was really kicking myself because there was a couple other places I could have went that I knew there was a turkey in there somewhere, but I went somewhere that I hadn't scouted and just kind of shot in the dark. So when they're not saying much, kind of put yourself in the turkeys and move slow and listen. Well, Devin, dude, thanks again for coming on this week's episode. Best of luck to you for the rest of the season. And hopefully we'll have you back on for another update from the, again, Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report. Yeah, give me a shout anytime. Help as much as I can. Hopefully someone, hopefully that all that rambling I've done, somebody can take something from it. <laughs> All right, everybody, that wraps up this week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with a buddy. Let us know, again, kind of feedback. You can leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you like about the show, new topics you'd like to hear on future episodes as well, also with future guests. And, again, if you go out this weekend, have success using tips and tactics from the podcast, shoot us a message, let us know. And, again, uh, we'll get you on as a future episode and future guest of the Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story Turkey Edition. Other than that, guys, make sure you tune in uh, tomorrow, Friday afternoon, or Saturday morning on the way to the woods and listen to this week's episode of the Listener Success Story Turkey Edition. Other than that, y'all have a great rest of your day, great rest of your work week, and we'll see you back here Monday morning for the next main episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman, and thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool. I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.